Hi, my name is Peter Hill and welcome to the D Word podcast, where we'll be talking about dementia. As always, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter or Facebook or by email. All the details are on our podcast page. This week, we're talking about new technology with Simon Stokes, who's part of the design team working on a brand new app called Memjo. So how did the idea come about? So interestingly, so my background is technology. I've worked in technology for big corporate companies for the last 30 odd years. Um, just over a year ago, I went to a hackathon that was run by the University of East Anglia um, with another organisation called Sync Norwich that was in, based in Norwich. Um, and what happens there is they bring business, technical designers together and people pitch ideas. And a, there was a chap who was a student said, oh, my grandmother's got dementia. Um, we've created a paper memory journal for her. Wouldn't it be nice if I could create a digital memory journal? because then you can make it interactive and modern touchscreens. Um, and it came from that, really. And a few of us said, what a cool idea. Um, I'd got personal experience of, uh, I was very close to a neighbour of mine who had dementia, so I knew what people went through. Um, so I joined his team. And over 54 hours, over a weekend, um, we developed the idea, built a prototype. But what really struck me was, I spoke to a number of care homes and the Alzheimer's um, various Alzheimer's charities, and they all said, nothing like this exists. When can we have it? Um, you know, care home, there was a managing director I managed to get through to a care home who said, I want this in my care home, when can I have it? So, um, but anyway, the hackathon finished, we all went back to our lives, and but this idea was still bubbling around, and we kept in touch. And then last summer, um, we all kind of said, should we give it a go? So the guy whose idea it was, Robert Bonner, his, he graduated from the university, I was doing some projects work that had finished. Um, so, yeah, so we've we've had it go. So we thought, OK, what do we do now? So we managed to, uh, a couple of programmers as well that we brought in, a graphic designer, um, all working in our spare time. Um, we built a prototype. And then last November, we went to the UK Dementia Congress in Brighton, which opened up this whole dementia world for me. The amount of people out there doing all sorts of amazing mm-hmm. things to try and help people with dementia lead better lives. Yeah, I think that is the one thing. And once you know, once you open that door on yeah. dementia world, there there is a lot behind it. Yes. Yeah, and the people I've met living with dementia, you know, so some people say, oh, they're, um, you know, who are on Twitter, who are using Facebook, who are WhatsApping their relatives around the other side of the world. Um, the other thing I've also found is... Uh, I started, I thought, OK, we've got to learn more about dementia. I started volunteering at a dementia club run, by, run in Letchworth. Um, and they do, it's a lovely club they run. There's four of them run by the Howard Cottage Society. Um, and met some people there. So I've met somebody called Bernie Kite, who runs Bernie Reminiscent Service. And just seen the power of the sessions he runs um, and the power of music. When you play a piece of music that somebody maybe hasn't heard for 50 years but they'll remember every word. So so now we're trying to get the business going in a bigger way. Um, So we've become part of a technology accelerator. So I'm also involved in all the business stuff about legal and finance and Mm -hmm. still all doing it 
we're not funded yet, trying to see if we can get anybody to invest in it, but also talking to some care homes about being more formal early adopters. So we've done mm-hmm. some small-scale trials. But also talking to people like Microsoft. So Microsoft are being very supportive about what platform can we do things like use artificial intelligence to create personalised radio, so it almost assembles a radio for somebody, mm-hmm. by knowing what kind of music they like and don't like, and actually create something that's personal to them, as well as the personal memory, which is what we started with. So the original concept was a low-cost tablet computer, which you can now buy. Argos are selling a really nice tablet computer at the moment for £99. Um, linking up to a website, so what the family then do is they then go onto the website, upload all their photos, music, playlists, films, anything like that. They do all that in their spare time. Then when they're visiting, they're the person who's got the tablet... They're not faffing about doing a load of technical wizardry. They're actually just spending time with them and everything's all worked and done for them. Yeah, I think it's a lot of power in simple, isn't it? Yes, mm. yes. Oh. Um, oh, I've seen, met a lot of people who try to do it using you know, a bit of Facebook, Google Photos, mm. um, and they just find it too hard or too difficult. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, but, uh, you know, it it looks great. But as you say, there is a lot behind just looking at that, isn't it? Keeping things simple. That's what I've found before. So my background, you know, designing apps, um, normally you find that when you design them, you always get them wrong because you put them in hand to somebody and they don't think like you do. Mm. They don't think like, um, you know, you're giving it to somebody who's maybe never used a computer before. So you don't want all this complicated swiping and graphics and things swooping in and out and those little they won't understand that a little house symbol means you press on that and it's a home page or three little lines is the um, a hamburger menu as app designers call it yeah so. I, th- I think you know this this whole world really for me in terms of assisted technology and and, and the way things go i mean you know just looking at things like you know, google pods and Alexas and and all this stuff I mean surely it's got to be open to massive development in terms of dementia yeah I think it has and there are plenty of people so Alexa seems quite popular I think the trouble with a lot of the assistive technology that I see there's nothing wrong with it but it's treating the person who's living with dementia as a problem so it's Mm. things like you know a little tracker so it tells you it sends an alert out if the person walks more than 50 meters from their front door or um, they've left the bath on or they get up at three o'clock in the morning I think it's not that they're not treating that person as a person whereas what you should be doing there's nothing wrong with doing that but actually thinking about it from the person's point of view so I've seen there was a thing in Ireland where somebody tried to develop this robot but it just looked scary because it followed you around the house <laughs> Yeah, I've got this kind of theory when assistive technology becomes restrictive technology and there's kind of a fine line in the middle, isn't there, I suppose? And I think it's not necessarily... I think it's because we've had the first generation of assistive technology. I think the next generation now will be about saying, okay, let's actually make it something that is supporting the person and the connection with their family. And it's something that's not done to them. It's something that they they can use and it makes sense to them as well. And Mm. it's thought about from their point of view. Yeah. So it's designed with and for people living with dementia.
Yeah, you know, I love this idea of artificial intelligence and being able to actually yeah. tailor it to to someone's life. Because the thing, the thing that uh, since I've been involved in in this, I was talking to Dementia Adventure the other week, and uh, the big thing they do is uh, they've said to me, "Well, it's all about the person. It's yes. all about that person. And if you could do that with some form of artificial intelligence, that's absolutely brilliant." Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of artificial intelligence has really come of age. There's a lot of artificial intelligence out there at the moment and people are working out how best to use it. So part of my time, as well as spending time with people living with dementia, is trying also to spend time with some of the experts in artificial intelligence to understand what the opportunity is. Hmm. Um, but really where we're, we're kind of struggling at the moment is we've only done, you know, there's only a few of us. Um, we need to get more people involved to help us with the trials and hmm. work out what the market is for this and things like, do we pay for it with a monthly subscription? Mm. Um, what can we do with these low-cost devices? Because I yeah. think now, when you buy a low-cost device, it's not the latest technology, but it's only you know, a couple of years behind. It's, it's certainly good enough for the kind of things we want to do. Yeah, sure. And I think, I suppose, unfortunately, it's a bit of a cynical world out there. And in terms of getting big business involved, I suppose you have to persuade them there is a marketplace. Yes. So what we're finding, I think, is our, at the moment, we're spending most of our time talking to care homes. That's what I'm doing. Mm. Um, but trying to get things set up rightly. So I'm also spending time with, so the University of East Anglia are being very supportive. Um, we're trying to see if we can get a research project set up behind this as well. Mm-hmm. So we can then measure, somehow measure the benefit of doing this as well. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, we, we before we see it, came on to the podcast here, we were talking about Silver Memories in Australia and the kind of research they've done mm-hmm. in terms of, of the music stuff they're playing. And certainly music in care, which is my, my, you know, personal experience. I was saying to somebody the other day, it don't, none of the music seems to be tailored here. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can hear anything at any one moment, which uh, is kind of nice, but you do feel that if you could kind of tailor it somehow, you yeah. know, it'd be a better environment. And so many care homes you go into where they've just put the telly on and there's mm-hmm. there's something on that really doesn't mean anything. I don't know, it's got loose women on or it's got homes under the hammer. Mm. Um, why aren't care homes why aren't care homes having something running on the television? Because most of them have got a day room that actually means something to the people in the room. Mm. So whether it's full, you know, full films or it's just um, clips of films or here's all the... Um, songs from musicals I always find Singing in the Rain is always popular everyone loves watching that clip of Gene mm. Kelly doing Singing mm. in the Rain um, there's so much that care homes could be doing just if they had access to the right technology yeah and I think access to I mean one of the big things that I thought is radio for care homes well that's yeah. that's kind of out there that's, that's the door to be open I think in terms mm. of uh, terms of those things but especially in something where the care home can tailor it to the people who are there mm. Because they've also get there's a number of care homes who have issues where they say, I mean I met um, one care home I went to, the there was someone there who was Spanish. Now he'd worked in the UK all of his life as a GP, but as um, the dementia progressed, he'd forgotten how to speak English. But of course they then struggled is, oh what do we play to this Spanish chap? Mm. But that's something again you could say well we can tailor stuff if you know you've got somebody who's Spanish or French or Indian. Um, there's so much content out there. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I think people, before you get involved in all this, you underestimate the power of reminiscence, be mm. it musical, be it whatever. Yes. Because it's, it's incredibly powerful. 
and because there's so much now, now everything's electronic, you've got these massive repositories of um, music and film. Um, there's all sorts of organisations. Like, for example, there's one, I think they're based in Norwich, the um, History of Advertising Trust, who've got a huge library of old adverts going back to the 40s and 50s. But all of those, I mean, adverts, music's interesting in advert because it's, it's actually, although it seems trite, a lot of that music is very cleverly designed to stick in your yeah. stick in your head and not shift. Um, same with photos as well. So we've done we did an event in Norwich, where we've got there's um. Uh, there was a chap in Norwich called George Plunkett who seemed to have spent from the 1930s up until he died in about 2006 I think it was traipsing around Norwich and Norfolk taking photos so we did an event where we took some took some of his photos from the 1950s um, then went and took some photos in exactly the same place and then created a little app where you could actually look at a, a, an old photo rub your finger over it and it sort of metamorphosed into mm-hmm the same view today so you could yeah. see what had changed but also how much had stayed the same that maybe you didn't realize yeah i think it's amazing uh, when i was working with the alzheimer's society we had a, a gentleman who was uh, an evacuee mm. and he was evacuated to a uh, little village in wales and one of our volunteers managed to find it on google earth yeah and he sat for the afternoon taking his oh yeah oh, the post office oh the pub's still there mm. and whatever and he absolutely loved it Yes, and there's so much now, actually, you can often find, even if a school doesn't exist today, there might still be pictures of a school or things like that as well that still exist online. There are lots, there are so many repositories now um, that are actually just, they're locked away in a library and somehow being able to get access to them. Can yeah, unlock all think, sorts of reminiscence. I think te- technology's, you know, big time is the key to all of this. And I think when I first got involved in this world, people looked at me and thought, well, no, people won't be interested in Twitter, you're doing dementia, they won't be interested in Facebook. And yet yeah. I found out that those things, I mean, we wouldn't have met if it, if it wasn't no. for Twitter. So many people that I've already met through that form of technology. And I think it's, uh, I suppose the word needs to get out a bit more. It's not a closed community. It's just, uh, yeah. you know, on, on Twitter, it's tremendous what you can introduce you to. Yes, but you can introduce it in a way that's real and genuine. Mm. You have to, I did see a project in America where they'd actually taken Facebook and filtered out all the ranting about politics and so <laughs> on. So I tend to avoid anything to do with Brexit. I avoid yeah. on Twitter. Um, and actually look at it of making connections with people and seeing but also just understanding what people are up to and issues that they've got and ideas they've got so one of my jobs I did in the past was innovation manager and actually what you find is innovation isn't about one person sat in a room having an idea it's actually about lots of people coming together with different viewpoints different ideas and working on them together and that's when true innovation actually happens i think you've explained dementia well for me there i think that's uh, that's what's happening i think you know in terms of this uh, podcast radio program everything it it seems to be organically developing as as you know as we go forward which i guess makes it exciting as well yeah i think it could be an amazing platform then for just people to say let's have an idea let's put it out there and see if anyone else thinks it's a good idea as well or Anyone else has got any other suggestions and just get people talking to each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating, Simon. I mean, if anybody wants to know about Memjo, 
What do they do? Um, you can email me. So um, it's simon at memjo. So that's M-E-M-J-O dot co dot UK. Um, there's a website, memjo.co.uk, um, which we're about to do a refresh of as well. Um, or you can find me on Twitter. So Simon Stokes, find me on Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is Stokes 5 And you'll find Simon through us as well at Radio TDW. Thanks, yeah. Simon. Thank it's you very great. much. Cheers. Yes. Thanks to Simon for a fascinating discussion on what we could be looking forward to in the future. Hope you enjoyed it. If there are any subjects you'd like us to cover here on the D Word podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So please let us know on the email tdwradio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Take care and I hope to speak to you again soon. podcast is produced and presented by Bahida Hill. This podcast is protected by a Creative Commons license. Any unauthorised reproduction for commercial gain is strictly prohibited. Mm-hmm.